Hey, how you doing? <laughs> good morning, everyone here, and good morning to those that are, that are watching online. Uh, maybe you heard the story about the DEA officer who stopped at a ranch in Texas and talked to the old rancher. He said, I need to inspect your ranch for illegally grown drugs. The rancher said, okay, no problem, that, that, that's fine, but just don't go into that field over there. Well, the DEA officer exploded verbally and said, Mr. I have the power and authority of the federal government behind me. Reaching into his pocket, he pulled out his badge and displayed it to the rancher. He said, you see this badge? This means I can go anywhere I want, on any land I want, any time I want. I have the power of the government behind me. You understand? Well, the rancher nodded politely and apologized and went about his chores. And a short time later, the rancher hears these loud screams. He looked up and he seen the officer running from his life, being chased, by, being chased by the rancher's gigantic prize bull. And with every step the, the guy was taking, the bull was gaining ground on him, and it looked like he was going to get caught before the, the officer reached the, uh, the safety of the fence. The, the, the officer was clearly terrified. So the rancher threw down his tools and he ran to the fence and he yelled at the top of his lungs, Your badge! Show him your badge! <laughs> Well, during the, during, the, <laughs> during the ministry of Jesus, he taught and demonstrated the power and authority of God. See, he demonstrated this so that we too could operate in that same power. Jesus did miracles, signs and wonders. He healed all who came to him. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He came as the Son of God who put aside his divinity and took on humanity so he could, show, he could show us that he could do nothing without the Father. He was completely dependent on, on the Father so that he could model what it looked like for us to do the same thing that we saw his Father doing. He's saying that we could do the same thing. And he, 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 see, he did this so that we could know that we should walk in the authority of Jesus. And that's the, this morning's, uh, the title of this morning's message. We're called to walk in the authority of Jesus. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 45. And let's turn to the God of that word in prayer, shall we? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here in this pulpit this morning. What an honor and, and a privilege it is to serve you, Father. And as we read the gospel of Mark, the, the story that, that he's written, uh, the, the story that's all about you, I pray that as we read each word and each sentence, we'll get to see that uh, how much you love us, Father. There's nothing compared to that love, Father. And there's nothing compared to the hope that we find in your word, Lord. So, Father, I, I pray, Lord, that you would touch the heart of every person here and listening online today, Father, that you would change our hearts, change our minds, so that we, so that we would be more like you, and that we would live our life in such a way that those that know us but don't know you will know you by the way that we live our life. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he, thought, he taught them as one who had all authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the, synagogue, in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, 
What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I don't know if demons really sound like that, but that's just... <laughs> but Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so they questioned him on themselves, saying, What is this? This is a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread throughout everywhere, throughout uh, the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew. And remember, Simon, not, Simon is Peter, Simon Peter. He entered the house of Simon and, and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and he immediately, and they immediately told him about her. He came and he took her by the hand, and he, he lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out demons, and he wouldn't permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went into a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. And he said, come on, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, because that's why I came. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. And he went out and began to freely speak about it and to spread the news that so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but had to be out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. See, just, just, just before this, Jesus had been baptized uh, heaven had been opened, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. He's called his first disciples and says, said, follow me. And now they go to this little city called Capernaum. And we're going to see that Jesus' words have authority. That's our first point this morning. Jesus' words have authority. Look at verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. Now, so, you know, sometimes when we read our Bible, or if we're a skeptical person, we think, you know, do these places even exist? Well, maybe some of you people, maybe some of you guys have been to, to, uh, to Capernaum and, and had seen this, uh, this synagogue. I know people who have been there, and they've, they've taken pictures of it, so it, it, the place actually exists. Well, back in the day, the synagogue seated probably around about 150 people. And people would come and listen to the, the different scribes and rabbis speak and teach. And Jesus walks into this, this synagogue and he begins to speak with such authority that the, the people are amazed. You see, back then when a rabbi uh, would come to the synagogue, he might say that this is, the, this is what the word of God says. Or this is what that scholar says or this, this rabbi says. And I think this or I think that, they, they're sort of doing their best to figure out and explain an almighty God. But Jesus didn't teach that way. Jesus would say things like, 
You've heard it said that Moses said, don't commit adultery. But here's what I say. Here's what the law really meant. Here's what Moses meant to say. But let me enlighten you to the, the depth of the law of God and the, the heart of God and the mind of God. And people were like, you know more than Moses? Well, you know more than these rabbis that are 60 and 70 years old? You're only 30 years old. See, he taught with such authority that it took the breath of the people away. It's like going into the, into the classroom and the, the, the professor that's teaching not only wrote the, the book that you're reading, but he also made the thing that you're reading about. It's as if the, the professor was saying, let me teach you about you and everything that you need to know in the world. And that's what it would be like to be in the school of Jesus. You see, he's not repeating the truth. He's the origin of truth. Now think about that. You're in the school of the God-man, who's the author of all truth, who's never been wrong. Right? Jesus isn't righteous 99.9% .9 of the times. He's right 100% of the time. He can't lie. He can't make a mistake. Right? He's God. So his word is reliable. If Jesus says something to us, if Jesus gives us a command, if Jesus gives us some insight or we, we read something in the Bible, we know for certain that it's true. Jesus spoke with authority because he had authority. See, he brought a divine message that was from God. He wasn't quoting man, he was quoting God. Jesus spoke with authority because he knew what he was talking about. Right? You can't speak with authority if you aren't familiar with your material. Jesus spoke with authority because he believed what he was saying. See, when you believe what you think and say, it comes through to your audience with authority. Jeez, at least I hope so. So as Jesus was teaching his first sermon in Capernaum in the synagogue, something crazy happens in the middle of his first sermon. And we're going to see that Jesus even has authority over evil. That's our, our second point. Jesus even has authority over evil. Look at verse 23. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. See, this is one of those moments in, in, in church when something crazy happens, and you're like, what's going on? What's the pastor going to do? And everybody was probably looking at Jesus and, 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 and wondering, you know what, what's the pastor going to do? Was Jesus going to be freaked out by all this? Watch what Jesus does. <laughs> he doesn't flinch. He doesn't panic. In verse 25, he says, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? It's a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. This had to be one of the moments in church you never forget, right? Can you imagine? People were like, who is this guy? He's speaking with a level of power and authority that we've never seen before. And then this demon comes out of the guy, and everybody was probably like, well, let's get out of here. But Jesus isn't concerned, and Jesus isn't afraid. He doesn't say, okay, unclean spirit, I'm going to count to three. One, two, no. He says, be quiet. Shut up 
and come out of them. That's authority, right? See, Jesus isn't battling demons that he's just a, a little bit stronger than. Jesus created those demons, those fallen angels. When Jesus battles Satan, Jesus isn't battling an enemy, an enemy that's just a little weaker than him. Jesus created Satan. Jesus made the devil. See, in Revelation uh, 12 and uh, Isaiah 14, you'll see that Satan is a fallen angel named Lucifer. And he thought he had the power and authority to take over heaven. And then he was thrown out with a third of the other angels. See, Jesus is, Jesus is almighty God. And he's never going to lose a battle with Satan. Never, ever, ever. Right? And this is the God we serve. So we shouldn't be worried about the, the craziness that's going on in this world, all the evil that's in this world, because Jesus overcame the world. He has authority over everything in the world. Now, maybe if you've been seeking after God and you, you want to know more about Jesus, you know, you can ask the question, you know, you know, I like and respect Jesus. He's a prophet. He spoke about love and the golden rule and some of those things called the Beatitudes. But that whole idea that he's the son of God and he, he came from heaven and he's God himself, you know, I, I can't swallow that one. But what kind of prophet says, I have the power to forgive sins? What prophets uh, can heal people physically? spiritually, emotionally. You know, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus has that power and authority because he's God. This is who Jesus is as he, re as he reveals himself to us. Maybe we say, you know, I don't know Jesus had that much power. But here's the question for us 2,000 years later. Does Jesus have that type of power and authority in your life and my life? Jesus will command demons to flee. Jesus commands sickness to leave. Jesus will forgive sins. And Jesus invites us. Come if you're heavy laden. Give your burdens to me. Give me the guilt of sin. Give me all those things that trouble you. I'll give you rest for your soul. Hey, if you want to follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I'm inviting you. I'm not forcing you. I'm not commanding you. I'm giving you a choice. So if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus will say, will you, honor me with your, will you honor me and obey me with your body, your sexuality, with what you eat and drink? Or are you going to do things your own way and, 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 and push me away? Are you going to honor me and let me my authority rule in the way that you spend your money? Because it ain't your money anyway. It's what I gave you. You're just a steward of it. Are you going to let me speak into, you, into what you do with your time? Is that authority of Jesus that was so powerful back then present in our lives today? It's our choice. And it's always going to be a choice. And Jesus is inviting us to, to think about that. He could command us that, you know, tell us what to do. He could command the authority in our life, but he won't. Jesus is a gentleman, and he invites us to receive that authority into our life. And how much greater and richer would our lives be if we submitted it and uh, submitted and honored the authority of Jesus in our lives. So he goes on from this preaching moment in verse 28, and he's going to do his first physical healing that, that Mark records. And that this physical healing isn't going to be for a, a stranger, but a friend. See, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now we know that Peter was married. You see, Peter's wife's mom is sick, and she, she has a fever. And we see that Jesus uses his authority to serve. 
That's our third point this morning. Jesus uses his authority to serve. Look at verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the whole city gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he wouldn't permit them, the demons to speak because he knew them. You see, I think here's what we're going to find out in life. The greater our sacrifice, the greater our authority. The more we serve other people, the greater our influence in our lives will be. Is that true of you? You know, I think we often show authority in the way that we've, been, we, we, we've seen people model it. If we've seen if we had a boss or a mother or a father who said things like, it's my way or the highway, we sort of model what we've seen. But Jesus is showing us a different type of authority. For someone who's never been wrong and has all power, Jesus is using his authority to serve. In fact, we see this so many times in the life of Jesus. Right? The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. We see him take the disciples' sandals off and wash their dirty feet when he's about to go through the worst experience of his life, right? He's about to go to the cross, be crucified, and he's washing these guys' feet. See, he's thinking about them, not himself. And he's showing us that authority serves. Jesus took the lowest possible task to serve in the greatest possible way. And I think that's why people were so attracted to him. See, in the world that we live in today, authority says, take for yourself. Do what you want to do. You have the power, so take it. So we use, we use our power to get things for ourselves. But Jesus says, no, no. Use your power to serve others, to give things away. Now let's stop and think about that for a moment. What authority has God given us and, and how do we use it? As a mom or dad, is your authority serving or is it demanding? As a boss, as a leader, do you, do you use your words to get people to comply? Or do you find words to serve them as they serve the mission that you're on? These are important questions. Is your authority attractive? Do people step forward and say, oh yeah, I want to follow him or her? And I think maybe an even more important question is, is your authority, closest to the, uh, uh, is your authority attractive to the people that are closest to you? When the lights are off and the cameras are gone and the, the doors are shut and you're with your roommates in your apartment. Hmm. When you're with your kids, your family, your wife, your husband, is it attractive? See, Jesus is inviting us to have this type of authority. Maybe we should ask the question, is our authority pushing people away? Because, see, if, you're, if our power is about control and doing things our way, we might find that we're, de that we're determined people, and we might not even know it. See, Jesus' authority is attracting people everywhere, everywhere he goes. And in verse 35, we're going to get an indication of why this is true. Look at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they, they found him, and they said, Everybody's looking for you. 
And he said to them, come on, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. But this is why it came out. And they they went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. See, Jesus has attracted a crowd. He stayed up all night, and he's probably tired. He was man. He got tired. But in the morning, he's gone. He slips away to a quiet place. And we see this all the time in the life of Jesus. You see, the authority that's flowing out of Jesus is because he's in submission to his father. He would say things like, I don't say a word unless my father's told me to speak it. I don't do anything unless my father has told me to do it. You see, there's this authority that flows out of a submission that we see in the life of Jesus. And we see that in the life of people who carry authority in the right way. They find this this time of quietness. God, I I don't want to misrepresent you. I want to honor you. I want to hear what you have to say to me. See, Jesus' authority fueled his mission. And that's our fourth point this morning. Jesus' authority fueled his mission. See, he knew he wasn't here to heal every leper. He wasn't here to heal. He wasn't here to heal every person with every disease. But he knew that if he spent time with his father, the father would give him the next step. So that makes me ask the question, as we live our lives and as a follower of Jesus, are we modeling our lives after him? Or do we just go where the crowd is and the people are saying, boy, you did a great job. Or am I able to say, God, there are really some amazing things happening here, but I want to know what you want me to do today. And if you say to go where no one is or go to a new place, I want to be open to hear your voice. I want to say what you want me to do. And, uh, what, I want to say what you want me to say and do what you want me to do. And that's the level of authority, the level of submission to the Father that fuels the mission of Jesus, the clarity of the mission. I've come to let people know that there's forgiveness of sin. I've come to let, know, let people know that the kingdom of God has come. I've come to let people know that they can be physically and emotionally healed. And the main reason I came is to let people know everywhere that they're separated from God because of their sin. And I've come to take their place for the, for, for the forgiveness of that sin. Aren't you glad for the, the clarity of Jesus' rescue mission? And we're going to see in a moment this invitation to be on the mission with Jesus. So we're going to close out this morning by reading this story about a man named, with leprosy. We're not going to really close out yet. That's You say that to the people that are asleep and they wake up. <laughs> they say, thank God, thank God this is over. But we're going to read this story about a man with leprosy. And the authority of Jesus has changed this man's life completely. And our fifth point is, Jesus' authority can change our life too. Jesus' authority can change our life too. Look at verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. uh, Go go show yourself to the priest and show them and give them the. uh, I'm sorry. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest for your offering of cleansing that Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to freely speak about it to everyone. He spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, 
but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him, <coughs> and people were coming to him from every quarter. Excuse me. You see, leprosy doesn't mean today what it meant back then. Think about how panicked we all, we all were with about COVID and that tragedy that we've seen unfold. But leprosy was far worse than social distancing, wearing a mask, and being quarantined for 10 days. See, because if you got leprosy, and one day you noticed this little white spot on your hand, you already knew. And maybe you covered it up because you didn't want anyone else to, to know, but that spot was eventually going to turn pink, and then red, and then brown. And it was going to slowly spread throughout your entire body, killing all your nerves. And over the next 10 years or so, your body would begin to waste away. You'd injure yourself, you wouldn't feel it. People were losing fingers and toes, and you didn't feel it. If someone was walking toward you, you'd have to cross the street and yell, unclean, unclean, so people wouldn't come near you. You couldn't go to the synagogue. You couldn't go out to dinner with your family. You couldn't hang out with your buddies unless you were at a, a distance. It was a disease worse than death. You know what the Jewish people said about leprosy, if you had leprosy? They called it the judgment of God. It was called the finger of God. If you got leprosy, you must have done something really, really bad. So you thought you got away with it, but the finger of God has cursed you. So you live with this sense that you're, you're cursed, feeling, a feeling of being isolated from society. Imagine not being touched by another human being for years. Luke tells the same story about this guy, and he says that he was full of leprosy. Yeah, this guy was probably in his final stages, and I, I imagine he was, he was pretty rough looking. And then he asked Jesus this question. If you're willing, on his knees he, he begs, on his knees he begs, I know you can heal me if you're willing, if you don't think I've gotten too far from God, if I'm not too cursed. I know that you have the power and authority, but are you willing? Have you ever asked Jesus that question? You know he has the power to do something, but he hasn't done it yet. And he's like, Jesus, are you willing? Do you even care? And Jesus looks at him and says, I'm willing. Be clean. And this man is healed, and, and, and people are like, wait a minute. We've never seen anyone heal from leprosy before. See, up until this point in the Bible, there were only two recordings of, of people being healed from leprosy in the entire biblical record, record up until this moment. One was Miriam, uh, Moses' sister Miriam, and the other was that guy named Nahum who, uh, from Syria who was washed in the Jordan River seven times and he was healed. But the people of this time have never seen the, heal the healing of leprosy. They've never seen it before. So they know that the only one that can heal the disease of leprosy is God. You get the idea? These people know that God himself is going to heal, heal this, this person. God himself. See, back in the day, you, you couldn't touch someone with leprosy because if you did, you become unclean. But check this out. If Jesus touches this man, does he become, does he become unclean? No. See, because the moment he touches him, the man becomes clean, right? Because Jesus has a power and holiness and authority that's greater than any sin or sickness or death that's in this world. So Jesus doesn't become, become unclean. He heals him in a moment, and in an instant, this man becomes clean. And this guy realizes, wow, something miraculous has just happened. 
And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. You see, there was this law of Moses in Leviticus 13 and, and 14 where priests could diagnose uh, skin diseases. And in Leviticus 14, they, they could declare someone clean. But these priests have never been able to declare someone clean from leprosy before. And I imagine if you would have went to the temple, they would have been saying, what's your book say? You got anything on this? I mean, leprosy, leprosy. Look up leprosy. Can you see anything in this? No. They said, we've never seen anything like this before. And Jesus says, I want you to go to the temple as a testimony to them. I want the priest to know that God has arrived. I want the priest to know that the kingdom of God has come, that lepers are being healed, that demons are being cast out because the Son of God has come. Jesus is saying to this man, go and tell your story to someone else. And that's what we're commanded to do. When God does a miraculous work in our lives, we're told to go in the authority of Jesus and tell our story. Now, I want to say this. Maybe some of us have been praying for a healing from God for a long time and it hasn't come yet. And just because God hasn't healed you yet, it isn't because of his lack of ability, but it's because of his sovereignty. I remember there was a time in my life because of my alcohol and, and, and drug use, I'd be sitting in jail or be laying in the park or in someone's basement one night, and I'd say, God, please, please, God, just let me die. Just let me die. Because death would have been a better option to the way that I was living. But God said, uh-uh, I ain't going to do it. I have a plan for your life. And there's a plan that God has for your life, too. See, there are times when God has answered prayers that I've prayed, and there are other times that he said, no. And I don't understand why he makes the decisions that he does. But here's what I do know. We can trust in God's good grace. He's trustworthy. And his plans are different than our plans. And part of that walk of faith isn't getting all the, uh, the answers to the why questions. It's choosing to say, I obey. And this guy can't help it. He goes, out and tells, he goes out and tells everyone. So now we read through, as we read through the Gospel of Mark, there's so many crowds coming everywhere, and Jesus has to continually slip away to quiet places in order to continue to be on the, the mission that, <coughs> that God has called him to be on. So where does that leave us? Well, all the authority of Jesus has been given to us. Say what? All the authority of Jesus has been given to us. Let's see what authority Jesus has. Colossians 2 and 10 says, And in Christ you've been brought to fullness, and he's the head of every power and authority. Jesus is over creation. He's over things that are visible and invisible, powers, principalities, rulers, authorities. He's over everything political. He's over everything social. He's over everything biological. He's over all those things. And being the sovereign Lord of creation, the Alpha and Omega, he says to his disciples when he put them on a mission in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, therefore go. And that wasn't just for back then. You see, this great commission is for all of us. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to us. Jesus says, therefore go. You're my hands and my feet. You're the body of Christ. You're the family of God. Use the authority that I've given you to love and serve people. Go and tell your story. 
But I really want to close with this. Revelation 19, 11 and 16. 11 to 16. You don't have to open it. I just want to, I want to read it. Then I saw heaven open and a white horse standing there. And there was one sitting on a horse named Faithful and True. The one who justly punishes and makes war. His eyes were like flames and on his head many crowns. A name was written on his forehead that only he knew its meaning. He was clothed in garments, dipped in blood, and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in finest linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. In his mouth he held a sharp sword to strike down the nations, and he ruled them with an iron grip and, tro and trod the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And on his robe and thigh was written this title, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. This is our Jesus. This is his power. And this is the authority that's on our side. And we're called to walk in the authority of Jesus. Therefore, go. But before we say amen and, and leave here this morning, and before Al and Laura take me to breakfast, I know I'm as surprised as you, Lord, just put that on my heart. <laughs> I want to give an invitation. If you don't know Jesus in a, in a personal way, or if you know that you, you need to repent, this is the most important part of the service. Now, I'm going to do a little something today, that I, I, something different. You know, usually when I, I always give an opportunity to say the sinner's prayer after, uh, after a message, but the Lord put on my heart to, to invite you to come down and stand at the, the platform here this morning if you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, I don't know if he's testing me. You know, he's, he, he says in his, in his word here, the word he gave me, come out of your comfort zone, come out of your, come out of your bubble. So I don't know if he's testing me or if there's someone here today that really needs to hear Jesus. If that's you, come. You know, many people believe the right thing, you know, and they never, they never, give, their life to, they never give their life to Christ. You know, they believe that the, Jesus is the Son of God. They believe that he went to the cross and on the third day he... He, 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 uh, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose to be, uh, uh, rose to prove he was the Son of God. Now he sits at the right hand of God in heaven. People believe that, but so does Satan. Satan believes that God is who he is. And one day, we're all going to stand before God, and whether you, you, you're saved, not saved, what, what church you went to, we're all going to stand before a holy God. And he's gonna, God's going to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And if you can't say that I trusted your son Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, it's going to be a terrible day. You're going to hear the worst words that you could ever hear. I never knew you. But if you are a born-again believer, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, not your good works, but just trust in Christ alone, it's going to be the greatest day ever. You're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world was begun. So if that's you, and you feel the need to repent, maybe you've been coming to church for years and you're not really sure if you're, if you're saved. Come. Come stand at the, at the platform this morning. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Christmas is coming. What, what? Give yourself the greatest gift that you could ever give. A gift that keeps on giving. A gift that fits everybody. A gift that never wears out. If that's you, come. Come.
Well, I hope that means that everyone here is saved, that everyone's going to heaven. Maybe seeds were planted today. You know, but I, I'm going I'm to lead a simple prayer. A simple prayer. There's no magic words to this prayer. It's just a simply, it's my words with just a simple way of the, uh, expressing the desires of your heart. So if you're here this morning and uh, you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you listen online and you've walked away from Christ and you feel like you, you want to come back home, you could do that this morning. You want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Jesus, I open my heart and invite you in this morning. I believe what I heard this morning, and I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I turn from my sins today, Lord. I believe that you forgave my sins when you died on the cross, and I want to live for you from this day on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of your word and put them into practice. Help us to step aside out of our bubble, out of our comfort zone, Lord, and help us not to see people as there's something to be used and what we can get from them, Lord, but help us to see other people as brothers and sisters made in the image of Almighty God, that we would love and serve each other, that we would be a, such an attractive witness to this world in such a desperate need of a Savior, Lord. Father, we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.